Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane here with the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. And today, our guest is one of the most prolific players in college basketball history. Marcus Howard played college basketball at Marquette University and sits atop the historic Big East Conference as its all-time leading scorer. Over Howard's four years at Marquette in Milwaukee, he averaged 21 and a half points per game, was named Big East Player of the Year, was a two-time All-American, and finished his career 21st all-time in the NCAA history in scoring. Howard's represented the United States of America on two occasions, both times bringing home the gold medal as a member of both the 2015 under 16 and the 2016 under 17 teams at the FIBA World Championships. Now, Howard's family tree is impressive. His older brother, Jordan, played college basketball for Central Arkansas. He was the 2018 Southland Conference Player of the Year. And in Marcus's senior year, him and Jordan they combine to become the most prolific scoring siblings in college basketball history, passing Steph and Seth Curry. Good company. As impressive as Marcus Howard is on the floor, he's equally, if not more impressive, off of it. He's the founder of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes FCA Club at Marquette, has been on mission trips to Costa Rica, and continually finds ways and actively looks for ways to give back to others, utilizing his platform as an athlete to inspire, impact, and influence in a positive way. It is an absolute privilege and an honor to welcome you to today's guest, Marcus Howard. Marcus, thanks for being with us, man. Man, Brian, I don't know anybody that could give an intro like that without even stuttering or just one take, man. That was crazy. Props to you. Can't, can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity, man. Well, I'm glad you could be here. And ironically, you know, we, we were just, I just had the chance to sit in on a call where you're one of your assistant coaches at Marquette, Stan Johnson, who's now the head coach at LMU. You had the chance to talk to their team. So it's like going from one to the other. And now I get to be the host and all the notes I took during that time you were talking to LMU. I'm ready to kind of unload here and get after this. But first, you know, I, I think for the four, three years or so I worked with you at Marquette, I never knew why you wore number zero. Yeah. Could you explain to our audience, why do you wear number zero? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, for me, a number that always was, um, you know, very important to me was 11. That was always my favorite number growing up. Um, but then going to college, you know, that wasn't available for me. So I wanted to be sure that um, I made a statement with the number I chose. I wanted to have a meaning more than just a number. Um, and I was zero in my last year of high school at Finley Prep in Las Vegas. So, um, when zero was a number that was available when I got to Marquette, I wanted to make sure I had a certain meaning that was very impactful to me. Um, and my faith is, you know, the foundation of my life and kind of what I, you know, really, really uh, strive to become a man in is, you know, being a man of my faith. So um, zero just stands for without God, I'm without God, I'm nothing. Um, so zero just represents, you know, without my relationship with um, Jesus Christ, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing really. So, I mean, that's what zero stands for. Um, you know, I've been proud to speak on that on many occasions and, um, you know, that'll always be a number that I really hold dearly close to my heart. You know, Marcus, as, as impressive as you are on the floor, it's, I'm really excited to kind of dive into some of the things maybe off the floor as well. And one of the things you did, I believe it was between your sophomore and junior season at Marquette, you took a mission trip to Costa Rica. Would you talk a little bit about that? Why that was important to you? Yeah. So especially going into college, you know, I wanted to make sure I was making the most of my experience while being in college. Um, 
just, you know, part of that was so much more than basketball. So I wanted to be a person that was involved in the community, not only within Marquette as a whole, but the whole city of Milwaukee. And the opportunity presented itself where Marquette and especially in Marquette athletics was providing student athletes with the opportunity to travel abroad and um, do service. And in this particular situation, um, 15 other student athletes along with myself uh, traveled to Wanilama, Costa Rica, and we built a multi-purpose basketball court for a village there. And, you know, usually in this process, um, they have all of the equipment necessarily needed for that trip there. Like, you know, they have the cement ready, they have the rock, they have the sand, all there and ready for you guys to kind of get to work. We didn't have that luxury. We got there, there was nothing there. So a whole day was, you know, was taken to unload trucks full of sand, cement, rock. So when I tell you this trip was by far the most grueling physical experience I've ever had in my life, um, it was. We were in that hot sun. Me being an African-American, I didn't know I could sunburn. Being in Arizona for 18 years, I didn't think I could sunburn. That was the first time I got sunburned. And it was literally a kind of a crazy moment for me because I was like, man, why is my nose hurt? Why is my neck hurt? And then someone was like, oh, you're peeling from being sunburned. I'm like, sunburn? I'll sunburn. But I got sunburned because it was that hot out there. So, um, you know, kind of a crazy revelation that I could sunburn out in Costa Rica. But all in all, you know, that trip was um, a life-changing experience for me because it gave me perspective. Perspective on so many things, you know, a village and a people that have so little but yet could appreciate so much in the little that they have. It was amazing. And for me to be able to get closer to a group of student athletes that I'm on campus with um, through this trip, it, there were relationships I'll take with me from the rest of my life. But I took so much out of that trip. I grew spiritually. I grew socially. Um, you know, physically, I felt I grew just because it was really hard work. But at the same time, it was so cool to see um, a group of people in a village, you know, impacted by the work we, that we were doing. And we were empowering people um, to make change. And, you know, it was really cool because it wasn't just us as student athletes here to service a community in building a court. They did the work along with us. So for us to be able to break down barriers culturally and really learn from each other while building this court for this village, it was an unbelievable experience. One that, you know, I'll treasure for the rest of my life. Definitely. What were some of those major lessons that you, that you took out of that experience that you, you wish you could share with other people just by talking about it, but maybe they can't experience it unless they go through it themselves. But what were some of those major lessons that have stayed with you, Marcus? Honestly, just being grateful for the things that we do have. Cause honestly, I saw so many people in this village who would live in huts and shacks and be walking around without shoes on their feet and living in the States, you know, I, I we find, I, and I've been a victim of this, you know, I'll complain about things that necessarily weren't as big as I thought. And, you know, these people in Costa Rica had so much joy in, in the lives that they were living and they had so little. Um, so honestly, the perspective was such a big, key to what I was doing and to what I learned and took away from that. Um, you know, also too, you know, just being a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, I felt being away from technology, being away from the things that we value in this society that we live in, especially being in America, you know, being in a foreign country and being able to um, see how they lived. I think that was something I took, I still take with me today. Um, so I'm being, I'm sure that each and every day I'm appreciative for the little things in life. Um, cause nowadays, especially, you know, you never know when you're the next day could be your last. So you want to be sure that you're embracing the people you have with you. Um, and just the, the little things in life we need to appreciate and understand that they really truly are a gift.
We're here with Marcus Howard. He's a first-team All-American NCAA basketball player, Big East Conference Player of the Year. He's the all-time leading scorer at Marquette. He's the all-time leading scorer in the historic Big East Conference, 21st all-time. Marcus, with all those accolades, if there was one word that I would think of to describe you, it would probably be humility. It would be b- bigger than basketball. And people would always ask, you know, other, other student athletes at Marquette or fans or people say, hey, what's Marcus Howard like? And I always say, it's, I can't even really describe because the, as good as he is on the floor, I like to say he's even better off the floor and you're one of the best to ever play the game. So that says a lot. Why is humility so important to you as a person, but also as a teammate? Definitely. Um, I think no matter where you go in sport, where you go in life, you can never accomplish anything great by yourself. Uh, I've always said this from the jump, you know, it takes a village. For me to be able to do what I did at Marquette, it's not just me. I mean, the people in the public see Marcus Howard. I see a Stan Johnson. I see a Steve Ojahowski. I see Allison and Barb Kelleher. Um, so many people within that program and within that community that helped shape and mold me to the person and player I am today, allow- allowing me to have those achievements and accomplishments. So many teammates that, you know, would sacrifice you know, their, their own self-interest, you know, for the betterment of the team and allow me to be the player I was. So for me, um, I can never, ever get wrapped up in me doing something myself. You know, of course it was me accomplishing things, but I wouldn't have that without other people who put themselves in a position to help me succeed. And, you know, when I think of that, when I think of humility, the word humility, I, the first people I think about are my family. Um, you know, my two older brothers, my mom, my dad, you know, all that they've sacrificed for me to get to where I'm at. My older brother's beating me up, beating the crap out of me when I was younger, just to give me a mentality to, to fight for everything, you know, to compete with a purpose, to have a love for something like we do basketball. Um, that's what I think of when I think of, you know, my mentality going into anything. It's just, you know, to be extremely grateful for any opportunity you're given. Even when things aren't going well, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and understand that those are going to shape you into the person that you want to become. Um, so I always look back on the tough times because now in my life, you know, those tough times are what have shaped me into the player and the person that I am. You know, I've heard you say multiple times that if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, it requires a team. Would you talk a little bit about kind of that mindset? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, like, like it says individually, like you can, you can do some things, but if you want to experience something truly great, um, it has to be more than yourself. And I think as a team, coming from a team aspect, when you put that into a frame of mind is that, you know, if we do a, something as a team together with one goal in mind and we're all on the same page with that goal, you're going to go far. You're going you're gonna to experience some, some trial and tribulation. But at the end of the day, if you are all in it together, you're going to experience amazing things. And they might not even be wins necessarily. They might be relationships. They might be experiences. They might be moments that you treasure for the rest of your life. You know, so you can go far and it has nothing to do with winning, winning or losing. Because if I'm a firm believer that you don't lose, you learn. And um, that's come from just being in a place, especially with where I am in my faith. I think I learn more in defeat than in victory. And coming from a team aspect, you lose as a team, you win as a team. Um, and nothing falls on one player. So I've learned that throughout my years in college, especially, and especially just being around a great group of guys that truly love and care about one another. I mean, I still talk to my teammates from college 
once or twice a week. You know, I'll talk or text or call one or two of them every other day just to check in and see how you are. And those are the relationships that are built. Though we didn't necessarily reach our common goal of winning a national championship, I can sleep well at night and I can be extremely proud because I have those relationships. And I think that is what is, that's what sport's all about, is creating relationships with people through the sport. You know, Marcus, one of the things you just said, I think is so good for our listeners, which are going to be a lot, a lot of coaches, a lot of executives, a lot of athletes that, you know, are competing to try to get to a place where you are as you're about to start your professional career. One of the things you said, I think is so good and so mature is you don't lose, you learn. Where does that mindset come from? I, honestly, it comes from my faith. Um, you know, I'm, it's been something that's been a big part of my life. It's the foundation of everything I do. It's the foundation of my family. It has been for as long as I can remember. And, you know, it talks about in the Bible, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in the future. And I know that I'm going to learn. I learned from defeat. I, I learned from losing. And I don't even consider them losses, like I mentioned, just because there are so many things you can take away from not winning something. There are so many things I think you could take from being in adversity. Because when you win, I mean, it's all good. When you win, everyone's happy. Everyone's happy-go-lucky. But there could there could be some things, um, you know, kind of flying under the radar that you might not even notice because you win. You know, I think those things that kind of blow up in your face happen when you lose. But when you're winning, those things, especially in a team, might be festering uh, behind the scenes. But the winning masks that. Mm. I think being able to lose, not necessarily lose, but um, learning from defeat is extremely important because I think that brings out the true nature of a competitor, true nature of a team, and really shows the kind of character that people have. And I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's a good thing to lose, but I think it's not the end of the world because you can always learn from that. Yeah, I, know, I love that mentality. You don't, you don't lose, you learn. Conor McGregor, who's you know one of the best MMA fighters of all time, his book is actually called "The Winner Learn." And you know, I'm notorious. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Where you know, winning hides a lot of cracks in the process. Winning hides a lot of cracks in the foundation. And I think that's one thing that I've heard you talk about too. Is is being you know being a pro before you're a pro. Right. And, and being a pro in honest evaluation, being a pro in identifying your process. Talk a little bit about that, that mentality of being a pro. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you being on that call, I was just on with LMU and Coach Stan Johnson. You know, he was one of the first people to ever give me this advice. And it's been advice that's rang true ever since. And for me, I'm striving to have a career in professional basketball. And, hopefully praying to God that I play in the NBA, but he would always tell me, you know, in order for you to be in a great position by the time you're a pro, don't wait until you're a professional to act like a professional. You know, you want to always be prepared and always have your mindset in the space to where when you do get to where you want to go, it's not the first time you're seeing it. And, you know, that's kind of a mentality I had all throughout college was I was going to do the things necessary to put myself in a position to where when I became a professional, I was going to be prepared for it, not only mentally, but physically. Of course, you're going to experience things that are new and you're going to have growing pains. But for, the, for a majority of the things you experience in terms of how you take care of your body, the preparation mentally for a game, watching film, doing extra outside of what a coach requires, that's all steps to being a pro. Um, and those are things I learned throughout college just because when I get to that next level, I don't want it to be something that I've never seen before. But there, like I said, there are going to be things that you can't predict. There are going to be things that are going to be new to you. But within that growing, 
you don't have to waste time trying to pick yourself up um, mentally or physically when you put yourself in that position before you get there. So I think that's extremely important in terms of just being prepared. You know, we've talked a lot about how separation is in preparation. And I know one of the things that you do to prepare, um, you know, for a game, there's a lot of things I want to kind of get into with your physical relentless work ethic and the mindset and, and things like that. But let's talk about a topic that's, that's, current and real for everybody right now. It doesn't matter their sport, if they're an NCAA athlete, if they're a high school athlete, if they're a professional athlete, is COVID-19. And right now, you've just you've just wrapped up a historic college basketball career. The NBA draft typically is in June in a normal year. Right now, you'd be in an organization getting ready to go, and they are push that back until, I think, October sometime. What is Marcus Howard doing right now to keep mentally and physically prepared and continuing to advance your game because this is this might be the best shape I've ever seen you in. Definitely. Um, for me, I think, especially in this time, you have to always keep your eyes on the prize. I know it's something that you've heard. Um, it could be kind of cliche, but for me, playing in the NBA and staying in the NBA has been a lifelong dream of mine. So I am not going to be forgetful. I think in this time, people can forget easily. I haven't forgot that. Um, and I'm in extremely intentional each and every day I wake up and go to work because this is my job now. Um, so I know whenever the time does come, I will be prepared because I haven't forgot about the dream that I want, I want to happen. Uh, you know, I want to be an NBA player for a very long time. And I know that doesn't, doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm falling in love with the process all over again. And no matter how long it takes, I'm going to continue to fall in love with it because I know it will pay off in the end no matter when it comes. If it's tomorrow, if it's a year from now, if it's a month from now, I will be ready. And I think right now you can't get tired of enjoying the process. I think people can get tired. Um, it could be repetitive. But for me, I understand each and every day I'm getting better. You know, there's an analogy I always loved and it was the analogy of a cup. And each and every day you wanna fill up that cup with something, something to put you ahead of your competition. For me, for me, a lot of the days, filling my cup means working out multiple times a day to prepare myself, uh, you know, for when the time comes and playing. Filling your cup some days could be watching film. Filling your cup some days could be icing and recovering. You know, so for me, always being in that frame of mind that I always have to be on edge because you never know when the time comes. Because like I mentioned in our last meeting was basketball and sport is kind of like the battlefield and war. It's not as intense as life or death like it is in, in in war and in in the army and military but you know i think it kind of correlates because at any point in time you have to be ready you have to be prepared so um i'm not gonna just because we're not playing right now and it seems like we're not gonna play for a long time i'm not gonna let that affect me to where i'm never gonna i'm never gonna change how i work and it's an everyday thing and it's something that i've developed over time but it's something that i've fallen in love with you know, there's no better feeling than waking up in the morning and first thing you do is go straight to the gym or first thing you do in the morning is is work out. I mean, there's no better feeling to me personally. Um, so during this time, you know, I'm just continuing to fall in love with the process. You know, people always ask me, it must be extremely tough for you right now not to be able to play. Of course, I would love to play, but the reality is that can't happen. So the things I can control is waking up every day, having a great attitude, giving great effort every time I step in the gym because that's going to best prepare me for when the time does come. 
man, so much audio gold coming out there. I mean, just key mindsets that you're talking about that will hit everybody that is relevant for everybody right now is controlling what you can control, falling in love with the process all over again, being intentional with everything you do. And one of the things you said that, that I've learned is a key for myself as well is, is getting up and working out in the morning. I call it sweat before screens. Yeah. <laughs> before I get in front of a computer, before I get on my cell phone, I start getting inputs from everybody else. So, um, Marcus, I want to kind of dive into your process. You know, you talked about yeah. fall in love with the process all over again. And I know, you know, you're, you're a Kobe Bryant fan and his book, The Mamba Mentality, which should be assigned to every student in schools across the world. You know, he talks about he used to wake up early to get a workout in before the team would work out in the morning because he wanted to get, you know, three workouts in during a day. And he was just obsessed with that preparation and working on his game. Would you talk a little bit about the, the, I mean, I know you've read the Mamba mentality. What's your take on that book as a basketball player? I mean, of course, rest in peace to the great Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, he's done so much for not only the game of basketball, for our entire culture in terms of the, the meaning of work ethic. And, you know, something I took away other than his greatness as a basketball player was the attention to detail that he paid to the game, how much he gave to the game, um, the things he was willing to give up for the game. Um, those are things I think not only in basketball, but in anything create greatness. Um, so for me, a reason why I love to get up as early as I do to work out, a large part was due to him because, you know, uh, I'm going to trademark this too. I always say, while people are dreaming, I'm chasing a dream. And what that means is, while people are still sleeping, I'm going to be up early enough to work out because by the time they work, they wake up, I'm going to be already two workouts in. And if I have two workouts in by the time you wake up, I'm ahead of you. You know, I'm not going to necessarily give you give you all the ingredients and secrets to to what I do in terms of preparation, but I just know that if I can. We all have 24 hours, not necessarily always guaranteed, but for the most part, we have 24 hours. What are you going to do with yours? I know that I'm going to make the most of my 24 hours earlier than maybe another person does. And if I can get any type of advantage or edge over you, I'm going to do it. You know, I wouldn't even consider it a sacrifice. It's an investment because I know at the end of the day, it'll pay off. Yeah. Talk about that mindset shift. I mean, I heard George St. Pierre, a UFC fighter first say, I'm not making sacrifices. I'm making decisions. And you're mm -hmm. saying, I'm not making a sacrifice to go to bed early, to wake up early, to train multiple times a day. That is, that is a decision. Or you said that is a commitment. Investment. Investment. Thank you. So talk about the difference between sacrifices and investments, because I think for a lot of college athletes, a lot of, a lot of amateur athletes, even pros, they think about, I'm making a sacrifice to pursue this and try to be great. I'm making a sacrifice to not party. I'm making a sacrifice to not be out late mm -hmm. when really that's an investment into themselves. Talk about that mindset shift of sacrifice. Into yeah. investment. So sacrifices I feel are, to me, my definition or meaning of sacrifice is you give up something in order to get something else. For me, an investment, you don't necessarily give or you don't, you don't give something up. You put something into a common goal. So if you invest money and you make a good investment, that's a decision like George St. Pierre said. That's a good decision. So you can invest in a good decision, which is I'm going to go to bed early. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to uh, party. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do all these crazy things. You're making an investment. You're putting into a good decision in order to get a benefit from them down the road. You make an investment. You know you're going to get something in the end. It's not necessarily giving, giving up something. It's 
putting something into a common goal and you know that's going to pay off. So, I mean, I'm a firm believer in investing in my career and my future because if I can control what I can control and I do it the right way, great things are going to come from it. It might not be right away, but that's the beauty of it. You have to be patient. And the more you're patient and the more you're willing to endure um, adversity or the hard times, that's when the prize is going to be so much sweeter in the end. Yeah, it's that delayed gratification, right? Of can you can you put off in the moment for what you want most, you know? And people think about, well, you know, the draft, the NBA draft isn't until October, Marcus. Yeah. Maybe maybe you oughtn't be working so hard right now because maybe you're going to be burned out come October. I mean, do you get burned out kissing a beautiful woman? Do you get burned out having a great steak? Do you get burned out doing what you love to do, man? I mean, how do you stay fresh every single day? Because I've seen on YouTube a day in the life of the Howard family and- yeah. I like to think I go pretty hard and I got exhausted just watching that, man. I mean, what's it like for you? Because your dad played football at Indiana. He's a strength coach. Your brother, Desmond, is a strength coach. Your brother, Jordan, is still playing professional basketball. I mean, a Howard family pickup game is going to be pretty physical and exhausting, man. Tell me about a day in the life of the Howard family. Hey, man, I know at the end of the day, if I have to line up with anybody and go to war with anybody, I'm glad I got my family because, you know, I got some heavy hitters with me. Um, you know, it all starts, it all starts from my mom and my dad, you know, they're extremely hard workers and, um, you know, anything you want in life, they'd always tell us, go get it. Never expect anything. So for us, you know, going hard, that's all we knew. That's all I've known. Being the youngest, I had to fight for everything. Um, nothing was ever given to me, especially from those two. And they are my biggest competition, but at the same time, they're my biggest fans. And it's, it's like that with all three of us. And I think having a dynamic like that, has been the best preparation for me because I've had to I've had to play against Jordan for 15 plus years, who's an unbelievable player, my favorite player to watch, to to be around. And then I have my older brother Desmond, who knows my game better than anybody, knows how to push me, um, knows my limits in terms of where I need to to be in his expectations and my expectations. So I mean to be able to have a family. And us being in the same pursuit together, I mean, it's a blessing from God, honestly. And yeah, def, our, our workouts are, they're not regular. Um, they're not. And, you know, I, I, would, I would put our workups up there with anybody's, without a doubt, just because I'm a firm believer and I believe in what we do as a family. But also, I understand it takes special people to get up every day and, and do that consistently. And we never want to waste time in the gym. You know, we're extremely intentional about what we do, um, how we do it, and why we do it. And at the base and foundation of it all is our faith. You know, so um, just to have that influence so close to the heart, um, you know, it's been, it's been one of the things I'm most grateful for just because I know a lot of people don't necessarily have that luxury. I love how much you keep coming back to being intentional and that success doesn't happen by accident. It only happens by intention. And you look at great college basketball players and their productivity and, and, you know, whether it's scoring or it's assists, I mean, statistically you got better every single year. You never got complacent. You kept sharpening the ax. You kept wanting to create that edge for yourself to go out there and keep getting better as a player, as a leader, you know, and that doesn't happen by accident. That only happens when you fall in love with the process and are intentional and make those investments like you're talking about. One of the things that you mentioned with, with the LMU team on our call before this was you mentioned how the way of life app you use as a way to kind of measure your process and keep you accountable. Would you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, first, I got to give a special shout out to you for putting me on that app. 
And, you know, it was a measly $9.99 to pay for the, the entire app. And it was extremely worth it just because, you know, I've gained so much, so many nuggets and so many things from that app. And part of the process and part of being and falling in love with the process is, I think first and foremost, you have to be completely honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily work if you're not honest. Um, you have to be extremely realistic with who you are as a player, as a person, and you have to own up to that. You have to be, you have to be accountable to yourself. Um, and I think that that way of life app was a great way of doing that. And for me, being able to check those boxes and they were green, you know, each and every day, it was a great feeling. And if a box was red, I felt a certain way about it, you know, like holding myself accountable. And that's extremely important, especially within the process is being honest, knowing what you have to fix, and then actually going and doing it. Um, so I think that's just a great tool to use for any athlete, for anyone in business, for just anyone in general, in order to keep themselves in check. Because I think me personally, as a human, I need a routine. And if I follow a routine and I'm doing it the way I'm supposed to be doing it, I think it's going to lead to successful things. And the way of life app is an extremely vital tool for anyone. I feel like. What are some of those key things that you feel like you've been, you've been measuring in your way of life that have really kind of given you an edge, like those most important things that are on there, maybe two or three. Yeah. Um, I know for one, definitely, um, continue to dive into my faith as well as, you know, being able to meditate on the daily, um, be in communication with people that really push me. I think, you know, being around successful people and people who, um, want to do great things as well as yourself, it's only going to create success for you. So just continuing to be in contact with those great people, um, continue to develop my faith, um, as well as being able to impact others. You know, I definitely want to be able to give back and, be able to be an influence to, to kids under me um, because it's, it's important to help raise this next generation of people around us, you know, and um, I think those things keep me in check. They help me try to live the best way I can. Um, you know, I want to try and be the best person and player I can be, but in order for me to do that, I have to practice what I preach. So um, the way of life app does a, does a great job of doing that. And I think those are some things that um, I've really been working on in my development but also just having this time home during this whole pandemic. I think those are areas of growth that I've been able to really, really um, grasp for sure. So speaking of being home during the pandemic, I know you're getting up really early to get to the gym and work out. Take us through the intentional daily routine of Marcus Howard from when does it start? So it starts the night before. What time are you averaging going to bed right now? You think? 9 PM. Definitely. I'm very methodical, very meticulous about when I go to sleep. Um, you know, I'm very, very strict about doing things the right way. And sleep is one of those things. I want to be sure I'm getting a great, a great night's sleep before the next day's activities, which include a rigorous schedule of training, recovering. Take us through that schedule. Take us through like the, like the clock schedule of in bed at nine, up at four, out the door at 430. Give us the whole yeah. schedule so that these athletes listening can say, this is what it takes to be successful. You know, I had the great opportunity of getting to hear um, the great Eric Thomas speak, a great motivational speaker. Um, He came and talked to our team while I was at Marquette. And one of the great things that he said that I could really relate to is, you know, I don't ever set an alarm because I don't need an alarm clock. And that was one of the things um, that, you know, I've kind of always done. You know, I I would set alarms, but I would always wake up before them. Um, You know, so my days usually always start at about 4.30. Um, Up every morning, 4.30. I pray before I pray before my feet touch the floor. Um, pray for my family. Pray for safety. Um, pray for you know just being able to conquer the day, win every day, and that's something that at Marquette we really took into account. That was our mantra as a team was win every day. And um, so from 
going into five, you know, we're at the gym in the gym from about five to eight doing basketball skill work with my brother Desmond and then doing strength and conditioning with my, my, my father, Chuck. Um, so just a rigorous three, three and a half hours of, of training um, back to back. And then after that, you know, the day is usually for rest and recovery. My brother Jordan and I are at home together and, you know, we're spending a lot of time taking care of our bodies, really making sure we're resting. So the next day we can be as effective as we were the day before. Um, but also we're doing more things, you know, to kind of put us on a competitive edge in terms from the game of basketball, watching film, watching old games, um, critiquing each other. Um, you know, I have the, ver- the great luxury of being around a great basketball player, my brother, that he's been in the positions that I want to be at. And so to hear his perspective on how I play, the mistakes I make, um, it-, it carries great weight. And, you know, I take that into a large account. Um, so that's definitely something that we do on the daily to kind of keep us sharp mentally from the game, um, not being able to play as much as we'd like to. We want to still keep um, our mental very sharp in terms of the game and understanding um, ways that we can learn from mistakes that we've made. Um, but for the most part, our days are training, recovering, and then just spending time as a family. You know, I, ne- I, don't, I haven't necessarily had this time home with my family. You know, I hadn't seen Jordan in about 10, 11 months. So this is the first time me and him have had um, long periods of time together. So being able to enjoy my time with my family um, has been very critical in terms of this this point in time in this pandemic. So I've been able to um, really take advantage of this time and I've been grateful for it. So transitioning kind of now t- to the floor, if anyone's watched you play over the last couple of years at Marquette, you know, they know that you're an incredible shooter. What are some of the things that you do to kind of maintain poise and concentration during a game? Yeah, I've definitely learned this from my older brother, Jordan. He's a player that's very stoic in terms of never showing emotion um, and never letting his opponent see him break or let his opponent see him um, have have any type of emotion to where they could take advantage from. So for me personally, as a player, you know, I definitely want to always um, take advantage of the, the opposition. And I think doing that is being able to have your emotions in check and to be able to um, from a mental standpoint, stay engaged for the entirety of a game. I think it's extremely important for me, no matter what's happening, good or bad, you know, I try to keep, um, and maintain, you know, a positive attitude in the fact that I never want my defender or my opposition to see me sweat or see me break. Um, so honestly, just keeping a even kill composure, not too high, not too low. I think that's extremely important for an athlete at any level. And that's something I've learned, you know, through my brother, but also through coaching, um, through being very strong mentally, things I've learned from you and your ABCs that we talked about in terms of the mental preparation game. So um, those are all things that I take into account, especially when competing at a high level, is that um, you never want to show any type of weakness with your emotion. You want to always be sure that you're um, keeping an even keel type of attitude and even keel type of emotion uh, from that kind of standpoint. So those are things that in a game, no matter whether I'm scoring a lot of points or whether our team's down to whether I'm not playing well, I don't want my facial expression to show any type of, of weakness or any type of um, things that the opposition could take advantage of. You know, and is that something that you have gotten better with, you think, as you've matured and grown? Or is that something that, like, you've, you've always kind of been good at and was a skill? Or is that something that you've been intentional about developing? I got to be honest with you, it was something I wasn't really good at. You know, when I was younger, especially, I would even say my freshman year of college, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And that would get me in a lot of trouble sometimes. Um, so I think kind of as I got older and matured, um, you know, I definitely had to control my emotion. And I think this past year, my senior year was the greatest display of that in terms of myself as a player, because I felt at total peace with my game. 
Um, and things started to slow down for me to where I didn't necessarily have to show as much emotion when things weren't going good or things were going good. You know, I think I could definitely being in a more mature state of mind, I was able to control my emotions a lot more to where nothing would really sway me one way or another. Um, I was going to stay in the same kind of mindset and headspace to where I was just going to try and be effective as best way I could without showing that emotion that um, people could definitely point out as probably a detriment in my game. You know, Marcus, there's, there's so many, anywhere you'd go, right? I mean, probably at some point at Marquette, this, this switch got flipped and maybe it was even your freshman year. I think, I I think I, we started to work together your sophomore year and you know, there's a lot of pressure on you. I mean, there's cameras on you. There's cameras in your dorm room during the NCAA tournament and they're following you and watching you do your meditation practice. I mean, everywhere you go, people know who Marcus Howard is. So how did, you know, I remember even sitting with you at a women's basketball game one time and, and like grown men, like older than our parents are coming to ask you for autographs. And I'm like, the guy can't even watch the game because people just keep coming up to him, man. It's like, he's a celebrity. And how did you manage the kind of that pressure and expectation from the Marquette community on you to go out there and be the Marcus Howard who's putting in 25, 26 points a game. How'd you manage all that pressure as a, because again, when you started college, you were 17. I mean, you just turned 21 in, in March, I think, right. As a, as a college graduate. So you're a freshman at 17 years old. So you're, you're supposed to be in high school and here you are with, with, you know, the university of, or, or Marquette university on your back. Yeah, it was. It definitely wasn't easy, especially from you know a very early age. You know, when I was 17, 18 years old, a lot of attention was drawn to me um, that I wasn't necessarily used to. Um, so, like anything, I had to grow into that and really handle it maturely. You know, because it definitely could have either made or break a lot of different people. So for me, I wanted to always be sure, no matter what attention I got, um, I was directing it in the right way, in the right light, and that was you know showing glory to God. Also, you know being able to highlight, you know, my team, my coaches that helped put me in that position. I never wanted things to be just about me because it wasn't. In reality, it wasn't. Yes, I was doing things and people would say or, or see in, in articles or in videos, oh, Marcus Howard did this, but it wasn't me doing it. It was people helping me do it. And I think it was important to always keep that in mind, especially when dealing with people that would pull, see me as a polarizing figure. But I was just like anybody else. I was like any other 17 to 21 year old in college you know I was I struggled just like anybody else I had hard times I had great moments I had terrible moments I had made a terrible mistakes I've made good mistakes or uh, good decisions you know so I've experienced anything and everything that a kid my age in college could experience um, so just having great people to lean on and depend on in those times when I wasn't necessarily having the best time or even that pressure could have been a lot are overwhelming on me. Um, having the people I had around me, I think helped helped me really grow into that and be comfortable in my own skin to where the point to where I was in my last year to where nothing really affected me. No, nothing that anybody said, nothing that anybody did, the way people treated me, the way people looked at me and nothing really affected me just because I knew the people that really, I, that really cared about me and that really whose opinion I cared about. Those are the people who were behind me from time I was there to the time I wasn't. So, I mean, that's really what kept me in a great frame of mind with all the pressure and all the expectations around me. But at the same time, you know, I invited those expectations. I invited that pressure because I think as a player, that forces you to play at a high level. So I think for me, yes, it could have been a lot for a lot of people. It, it did at, at some points for me, especially when I was younger. 
But as I got older, you know, I embraced that. You know, I embraced the expectations. I embraced the people who didn't believe in me and my abilities. I embraced um, all the things people wanted me to do. I embraced that just because um, as a player, if you want to be a great player, those are the things you want. And when you get them, don't shy away from it. Because when the lights are on, that's when you need to perform. And um, that's what I embraced truly as a player. And pressure, and, and you know, pressure is a privilege. And when you embrace the target, you know, because you, you're always going to have the target on you. And if you di- if you didn't have the target on you, you would create a you would be like Michael Jordan in the Last Dance, and you would find a way to create a target on yourself. You know, I mean, that was one of the things that stuck out to me with, with Jordan in the Last Dance was if he was given the MVP, he'd be like, he would find a way to use that as a motivation to drive him. When Carl Malone got the MVP, he would use that as a way to drive him. He could take anything. He could take this shaker and find a way to make it motivate him. You know, yeah. how do you use the, the the mental game as a way to kind of motivate yourself and get you to continue to go do the work every single day? For one, I mean, I've just been a person from the time I was little who just loved the work. I loved to be in the gym. I love to, um, I just love the process of it all. It was something that basketball is my first love, you know, to where I couldn't do without a basketball. That was just me. Um, a, lot, a large part had to do with, you know, having two older brothers that played. But for me, you know, kind of my motivation to continue to do what I do is people would always say, you know, to prove people wrong. I wouldn't necessarily say that because people who don't know anything about basketball are going to say th- certain things about me. I understand and know that not everyone's going to like you. I've come to grips with that. Mentally, I understand that. Nothing I can control. I don't necessarily believe in proving people wrong. I I believe in proving myself right because I know the work that I've put in. I know all the things that I've given to the game and put into the game, things I've invested in for the game. So I I can care less about what other people think or expectations other people have. I use it as motivation, but at the same time, I want to prove myself right. I know a goal that I want to reach. I want to prove myself right with the work that I've done to get there. And that's always been my motivation. It's never been to please somebody or to um, meet their expectations. It's to meet my own. Because at the end of the day, I'm my toughest critic, but I'm my biggest fan. So um, that's always been a mindset of mine is, you know, people think I prove all the doubters wrong, but no, I prove myself right. Yeah. So good. So good. I think because when you start thinking about like prove people wrong, well, those doubters aren't even thinking about you anymore. They're consumed to themselves. Right. I mean, everybody's, everybody's into WIIFM, like what's in it for me, you know, where you're out there trying to prove yourself wrong versus yeah. or trying to prove yourself right versus trying to prove other people wrong. And, you know, Marcus, I, I, I've been at games at Marquette where you've, you've gone over 50 points at Providence, seen you put up, you know, I think five points in the first half against Buffalo and come back and, put in 40 in the second half. You know, I've seen you literally take over games. I think you had more, I don't know what, maybe three 50-point games this year, two of them back-to-back in a tournament. I mean, just just prolific scoring at its best. But like every scorer, right, there's times where you miss. There's times where you might miss 10 shots in a row. There's times where maybe you don't score what you're normally used to scoring. When that happens, how do you keep your confidence high after those misses or when you're not shooting it lights out like you normally do? No, I can't even lie to you. That, that stuff's tough. It is. You know, and a prime example is this past year, my senior year, when we went down to Orlando and a great tournament, that Orlando Classic was a stacked tournament. Um, you know, you come out being in the position I was in, first two games, you combined for 95 points. A 40-point game against Davidson, a 51-point game against um, USC. I'm sorry, 91 points. My math was way off. Yeah. Uh, 
91 points in two games. So you're on high as is. I mean, for me, going into that championship game against Maryland, I could have been a little immature about how I handled it just because I went into that game thinking I was going to do the same things I did to the other teams. But it wasn't the case. Um, didn't have a good game at all. My worst game of the year. But in that moment, you know, I keep my confidence high because I've learned more in that game than any game I played this, uh, this past year. Um, and I keep my confidence high because I know the work I put in. And though I might have a bump in the road, that's not going to stop me from pursuing my goal. You know, I look at the game of basketball and I also look at the game of life as a mountain. And in any mountain, you're never going to find a mountain that's smooth all the way up. You know, you're always going to have bumps in a mountain. You're going to have valleys in a mountain. You're going to have peaks in a mountain. So I always look at it to where even when I experience and when I was early in my career, I didn't do a good job of this because I always felt I was supposed to play good all the time. The beauty of basketball is it's unpredictable. You're never going to always play perfect. So I had to come to grips with that. In my senior year, you know, a game like I had against Maryland in past, it could have maybe broken me a little bit. But I felt so strong in my faith as well as in the process of it all that, you know, I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to move on. And though I watched that game at least 40 times from start to finish, I've learned from it and I've learned more things from that game than any game I've played. I think I was better off because of it. And I think, you know, in those situations to where I don't necessarily perform the way I'm capable of, you can't beat yourself up to the point where you're questioning your ability as a player. You have to take it on the chin. You have to be mature about it. You have to move on, but you have to learn from that. And like I said, we lost that game. I played terrible, but I learned more from that than anything. If we would have won that game, I might not even watch the film again. So I look at that game as a blessing in disguise because I've watched that game so many times. I've learned so many things and the mistakes I made to where it now, if I was in the same positions, I wouldn't have made those. I wouldn't make those same mistakes I made. It comes back to that winners and learners mentality that you talked about earlier and falling in love with the process more so than falling in love with the outcome, you know, and there's a lot of people we've had on the podcast, Rich Franklin, who was a UFC hall of famer, UFC world champion. One of the things he says is if you walked into his house, you wouldn't even know that it was that he was a UFC fighter because he's got no UFC memorabilia, no pictures of him in the octagon, you know, no championship belts. I've heard the same thing about Coach K. Obviously, we both know Wojo and the connection he had with Duke basketball. And that if you went into Coach K's house, if you didn't know he was the coach of Duke basketball, you wouldn't see any Team USA, Duke memorabilia or nothing, right? That, that, it's like different than basketball is what you do, not who you are is something I've heard you say a lot. Expand on that because I think it's one thing to say when you're – you know, 55, 60 years old and you're a head coach at the tail end of your career, but you just turned 21 and you're about to start your professional career and you're already of the mindset that basketball is what you do, not who you are. Talk about that, Marcus. You know, I think I'm so blessed to have had my eyes open to the fact that, you know, I understand that basketball is going to end for me at some point. You know, I'm going to maximize everything I can each and every day to be the best basketball player I can be. But I think just being a man, the man of faith that I am and seeing what God has done in my life, um, I'm so grateful to know that there's more, there's more to me than this game, but yet at the same time, this game has given me so much, you know, it's provided unbelievable relationships, opportunities. Um, and you know, I use the game to have a platform to be able to speak into those who might not have a voice. Um, so I know that basketball is what I do and it's what I love, but at the end of the day, it's not who I am. You know, I, I would rather be known as Marcus Howard the great person rather than Marcus Howard, the great basketball player, because the ball stops bouncing at some point in time. And I want to be remembered for 
what I was able to give to people, not necessarily what I was able to do on a court. But at the same time, with me being able to still play basketball and start a professional career, I'm going to use the game to, you know, raise awareness for what I truly believe in. And, you know, that's putting God first and that's being a servant to others. Um, so as long as I'm able to play, you know, that's always going to be the forefront of what I do. And I think it's the beauty of sport is being able to use the sport to impact lives and change lives. Um, you know, that I think really bring people together. And that's something that I've realized and had the opportunity to understand from a young age. And the fact that I'm 21 years old and understanding that, you know, I'm very fortunate because there are a lot of people that hold on to the, to the grips of, you know, basketball is who I am. And when I'm done, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I understand and know that, you know, God has a plan for me to impact people using the game. But when the game's over, you know, it's not going to be the end of me. Yeah. And I think I see so many athletes that put that pressure on themselves that they eat, sleep, you know, dream their sport. And although you do too, you've also understand that it's, it's what you do, not who you are. And it can be both, right? I think a lot of athletes would say, well, if I'm not, if I'm not completely focused on my sport and I don't eat, sleep, breathe, everything, basketball, I'm not totally committed. And I always come back and say, well, if you're, if you're in it all the time, you're also going to be exhausted. And if you look at basketball is who I am, you're going to hand, you're, you're going to get high with the success and you're going to get hammered with the lows. And when you can separate the who and the do, it makes you a much more consistent and I think competitive performer. You know, Marcus, you've accomplished a ton at a young age. How do you personally define success? I think success is what you're able to leave behind. And I don't think it necessarily has to do with the sport because you could do a lot of great things in this sport. But I think success is who you are as a person, who you are and what you have in terms of your character. And I think success is what you leave for people coming up. I think, you know, when the time comes for me to have a family, success is the influence I'll be able to have on my kids, the influence I'll be able to have on my own family. I think that's success. Um, being able to impact others and give them the best opportunity to be the best version of themselves, I think is success. Um, not necessarily doing anything out of selfish ambition, but, you know, creating moments, creating uh, instances where you're an influence to other people. Because for me, I've learned a lot from great athletes who have overcame tremendous obstacles, you know, and I think that's success, you know, providing somebody hope for when, they experience some sort of difficulty to be able to be kind of a shining light on um, a moment in someone's life to where they don't think they can get out of. And I think that success is being able to be an influence, a positive influence for others. You know, I think that's the meaning of success to me just because it's more than just yourself. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's such a, such a good perspective at such a young age. Applause for your parents, you know, and your coaches and people that helped you to get there. But I know you've done a lot of work on that yourself and you're a constant student, always learning. And, you know, Marcus, as, as we kind of shift into the last portion of our podcast here, and a lot of our listeners obviously are into the mental performance side of things, or maybe they wouldn't be listening to, the, to my podcast. But, you know, you've mentioned a lot of mental performance techniques throughout this. You've talked about 
you know, being at peace at your, with your game, winners and learners, falling in love with the process. You mentioned ABCs. You mentioned having a daily routine. You talked about visualization and imagery and meditation and controlling the things that you can control and surrounding yourself with people that are going to push you like iron sharpens iron. If you had to say to a basketball coach or a basketball player, let's say high school, college that are listening to this, and they were to say, Marcus, tell me about just one, two, maybe three of the most important mental performance things that you do, that they could do. What would those things be? I think for one, I think it's taking the time to breathe. You know, we talk, I mean, one of the things I've learned from you that's stuck, have stuck with me to now is if you're able to control your breathing, you're going to be able to control your actions no matter what the situation is, whether you're fatigued, whether it's chaotic. I mean, if you can control your breathing, you could control the outcome, I feel like. And so for me, being able to control your, bre- your breath and your breathing in moments of chaos is extremely important. You know, for us being basketball players and the experiences I've had playing at Marquette, you know, there'd be a lot of games where high intensity, high pressure, lots of stress, but leaning on the fact that if I'm able to control my breathing in any situation, I'm able to be able to control what I can control. And I think that's extremely important for anybody in a stressful situation, um, you know, to be able to have something to go to as a breathing technique, as you have taught me, as you have taught so many, um, to take that time to really maximize the breathing because the more you breathe and the more you control your breathing, the more your mind's going to be in tune with that moment. Um, so I think that's extremely important. And that's been a great um, thing for me from the mental side. Um, kind of something I do physically. And I talked about with LMU, um, on the past meeting I had with them, um, physically, you know, I wanted to do something that would always bring me back in, into the right frame of mind for you. It was check in all in, you know, a coach or someone in authority says check in and everyone else says all in just to know that they're in the present moment in that moment, right, right in time. So for me, like if something was going good or bad, I didn't want to think about that moment for longer than a second or two, because a game of basketball is about a game of possessions, a game of runs. You never want to get caught up too much on one play or one moment. So for me, what I would do, anything that happened, I make a shot, I miss a shot, I have a turnover, I get a foul, I don't agree with the ref's call. Anything I would do right in the instant it happened, I would snap to myself. I would snap, like literally physically snap. You know, like in a game, I would shoot a three, make a three snap and get back on defense because I didn't want to be caught up in that moment because I feel if you're thinking about something from the past, you're not going to be able to be in the present moment and affect what's happening. Now we talk about in the mental game, always being in the now, always being in the present moment. And I think if we think too many, too much on those past moments or past experiences, we're not going to be in the present moment and we're not going to be able to be effective. And so for me, something I would do personally to get me locked into the moment was snap. So that was, that was a big thing for me. And then lastly, you know, I never knew anything about meditation. I, don't, I never knew anything like that. I always thought praying was like meditation, but I think being able to meditate and have a, uh, an audio that you would, you'd give me, it's crazy because I still use that now. I still have that, you know, linked to my Google Drive. You know, Brian being able to talk to me through a phone, talking about what I need to do from a mental standpoint to get myself ready for the day or get myself ready for training or a game. I think it's extremely important taking time to meditate and be in your own thoughts and clear your mind and be at peace is extremely important. That's something that 
you know, I definitely didn't have going into college or even before that. And it's something that I've taken with me now and I'm going to take with me throughout my career because it's extremely important to take care of your mental side of the game. Because I think, honestly, at this stage, especially going into a professional career, everyone's going to be talented. But what sets people apart is their mental preparation and being able to think ahead and being able to be in the mind and headspace to um, be effective and use their mind. And if your mind's at peace and your mind is clear, you're going to be able to be more effective than not. Uh, man, you, you so much good there. So much good. I mean, the terms of, of as you continue to progress, like when you went from, from high school to private school to Marquette now into professional ranks, every level you go up, the physical talent continues to get better. Everyone has it. So the higher you go, the less physical ability is a factor because everybody has it. It's about who can be the most consistent. It's about who can show up and have the, the, the best lifestyle at being a champion. Who's the one that can show up the most prepared? Who's the one that can show up and stay present because as the competition gets better, there's more adversity you have to deal with because everyone's a little bit faster. Everyone's a little bit better. And you just shared a lot of tools that people can use talking about the breath, talking about being able to snap and clear. And it's, it's another episode of this podcast. We had Justin Lawler, who's a, who plays defense for the LA Rams. And we had Cortland Sutton, who was an all pro wide receiver with the Denver Broncos. I had both of those guys like you in college when they were playing at SMU. And they both also talked about in football clap and clear as their way to release a red light or a yellow light and get back to that next play. And the difference between football and basketball is in football, after the, when, when the guy gets tackled, the whistle blows, you got like 20, 20 seconds to get back to the line of scrimmage and get lined up. So you have a little bit more time, like a baseball player stepping out of the batter's box, bat under the arm, undoing their batting gloves. They have more time than you do as a basketball player. So your trigger or your anchor to release and get back to the next play was a snap. And is that something that you had to practice or is that, and you kind of were like, okay, I'll try this. And it kind of started to work for you over time. Or was it something that you've kind of been doing just naturally since you were a kid? No, it definitely wasn't natural. And I think for anybody in any different, any kind of sport, it's different. You know, I think the pace of the game and how the game's played definitely plays a factor to how you utilize physical cues for snapping back into it. For me, basketball is so quick and so fast paced that snapping just worked. Mm -hmm. Um, for football players, it could clap because you have more time. Baseball players, they have more of a routine when they're batting or in the outfield or things like that. So I think it differs for everybody. But for me, it was actually something I just picked up when I was working out on my own. You know, if I would get frustrated, I would snap and I would get like pissed. And so I think for me, kind of really taking the time to be intentional with wanting to have my own kind of cue to get locked back in because we, we always did check in and all in as a team, but I want something for me personally that I could kind of go to always. And snapping was just something that really resonated with me. So even when I work out and I'm, you know, missing shots or not necessarily being as sharp as I want to, I snap and I get back in that frame of mind and it just locks me in. Okay. You know, it's like I had about 12 cups of coffee and I'm just like zoned in, you know, that's kind of my, my thing. And it's something I picked up and it's something that wasn't natural, like I mentioned, but, you know, as I started to practice it more, I would really, really intentionally um, you know, put it into practice or working out or a game, you know, so if I was doing extra work and I would, I would really use that time to practice this type of, um, strategy to get me locked back in if I was messing up. So, um, it was definitely something I learned and you had a big part to do with that because I wanted to do something personally for me to 
um, keep me um, in a great space in terms of my mindset, but also just to keep me sharp and have an edge on the court. And just get and constantly get back to that present moment, you know, and what I, I love how you said, whether it was, I disagreed with the ref's call or I hit a big three. I mean, just because sometimes, you know, you get into red lights or yellow lights because adversity happens, you turnover or whatever, or because you're having a lot of success and it's just no matter what it is, flip the switch, offense, defense, in a game of transition, just constantly be where your feet are. Uh, so much goodness coming out there, Marcus. One of the other things that you talked about was meditation. And I think, you know, you, you have played probably a much bigger role than you will ever know in terms of getting other athletes to try meditation. And it's something where before the NCAA tournament in 2019, I think it was CBS Sports did a quick piece about you and using meditation and kind of your, your belief in mental performance. Uh, are you familiar with the clip? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I couldn't forget because uh, we were getting ready for the game the next day. And right after dinner, they're like, we have to film you in your hotel room. I was like, oh, my gosh. But yeah, so I had to I had to do a piece in terms of just meditating, and it's actually it was really peaceful at that moment. But yeah, I couldn't forget that because I had a bunch of camera crew in my freaking hotel room. And <laughs> but the night before the NCAA game, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but no, it was great because just in that moment, you know, I was able to kind of take time in that whole chaotic atmosphere to be able to kind of collect my thoughts and be at peace. So I mean, it was it was great. But yeah, it was, it was funny. <laughs> It was a funny situation. Definitely. We'll, we'll make sure we link to that video here in the notes. Cause you know, I, I show that whenever, whenever I talk at a coach's clinic or with an athlete, with a team or doing a seminar, and I talk about the importance of meditation, I show that video because I think for a lot of people, they think that meditation is some sort of religious practice where I have to get in a robe and shave my head like a Buddhist monk. And I sit down and oh, my ohms. <laughs> but, but it's not that right. It's a, literally meditation is practice at staying present. Would you talk a little bit about how you do your meditation and when you do it and why it's beneficial for you? Yeah, definitely. For me, you know, it's I either sit in a chair um, or I just sit upright in my bed. You know, I have a headboard, of course, on my bed. So I usually just have my back up against the head headrest at my, on my bed and I'll close my eyes, make sure it's dark in the room. So I either close the blinds or turn off the light. And, um, you know, I really just focus on my breathing you know, being present in different parts of my body, being able to relax and not be as tense um, to where I'm at total peace, you know, I, and I feel it all around my body. So, the, but it, this, it stems from being able to control the breathing and we do the, the six to eight technique that you taught us. And um, that's been something that I do, you know, every day. Um, something that I feel puts me on the right track for when I'm starting my day, but also when I'm ending it. So um, for me, meditation, you know, is vital, especially in this part of my career and just, you know, kind of being as mentally prepared as I can for a professional career. So it's extremely important and something that I, I really value just because the way that I was taught by you um, has really resonated with me just because I'm able to collect my thoughts and be at peace. You know, Marcus, one of my favorite pieces about working with Marquette was that all the games were on Fox Sports. I got to see you guys play all the time. And I remember you're playing against DePaul and their coach gets a technical foul and so you're shooting free throws and you step into the lane and put your hands out like you're touching your teammates. Mm -hmm. well, take, take us through that, man. What was that? I'll never forget after this. You, were, you, you grabbed me after the game and we're just like, what was that? Yeah. Like, mind you, it was a great game. We won. But that was, that was the thing you took out of the game the most. Was like, what were you doing in high-fiving air? Yeah, and, it was awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, I thought it was so you funny. Were doing it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, I think for me, kind of, 
playing games within a game, you know, especially something like that, if there's a technical foul and I don't have necessarily my teammates there, I wanted to be in the frame of mind that no matter the situation, I was always going to treat it as what I'd seen before. So I, I treated technical free throws, though I was being by myself. I wanted to put myself in a position where if I am at the free throw line and my teammates are there, I'm constantly touching and giving high fives and feeding energy because, you know, touching creates energy. I learned that from Steve Nash. You know, Steve Nash and that Phoenix Suns team in 06, 07, um, they, it was documented about how many times they would slap hands or have any type of contact as a team. And that turned out to be their best season as a team. And I, I think a lot of that derived from just having positive energy. And a lot of that has to do with physical contact with your teammates in terms of high fives, fist bumps, uh, chest bumps, you know, that kind of deal. Um, so I didn't want to change my routine for anything. And I think being in a mental state to where um, you're in your thoughts and you're in the present moment. I don't think any situation knocks you off your routine. So my routine was always, if I made a free throw, if I missed, I was always going to show my teammates love and touch them up or touch or slap them, slap their hand. So um, even if there was nobody there, I was going to slap the air just so I stayed in that routine, stayed in that mode. And, um, you know, people thought I was weird for it, but I was just like, you know, that's just, that's just part of the game. That was part of how I prepared mentally because, you know, when I saw it, when there were people at the foul line, you know, that was just how I went about it. And they might have thought it was weird. And then they looked and saw that you probably are a 90% plus career free through shooter. And they thought, well, maybe that's the secret. Maybe I ought to do it. And the secret is there is no secret. The secret is hard work, overtime, championship lifestyle, belief in yourself, and falling in love with the process. And while and other people are doing it. And being a good free throw shooter to where you can shoot technical free throws. <laughs> that's right. And while other people are dreaming. You're out there chasing yours. Marcus Howard, last question for you here, man. There's there's so much goodness coming out with this. I can't wait to go back through it and take notes. If you could remove the skull cap of everyone listening to this, whether it's college coaches or players, high school coaches or players, entrepreneurs, fans for Marquette, fans of Marcus Howard, which everyone should be, because you do it the right way. If you could remove the skull cap of everyone listening to this and plant one seed inside of their brain that would germinate and take action with inside of them. What would that one seed be? You know, for me, I think for us as athletes and I think as people, what, what definitely drives us and motivates us is competition. And I think competition is what makes all great things in our world. So I think being able to compete, not only with others, because obviously you can compete with or be in competition with other people. But I think honestly, the more we compete with ourselves and challenge ourselves and, you know, create goals for ourselves and continue not only to be our toughest critics, but honestly, hold ourselves to higher standards, that's going to create success. Honestly, like if you have a coach that has high expectations for you and they want it more than you, you're not going to be successful. You're not. And if you want something and you want to achieve something, you have to be the one to speak it and act upon it. But it's not going to be something that happens right away. And you have to understand that it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of growth. We live in a generation where we want things right away. And the beauty in the beauty is in the struggle. The beauty is in the things that aren't necessarily beautiful. And the path isn't always a pretty one. And the more that we understand and realize in order for us as people and as athletes to be successful, we have to be the ones challenging ourselves. Not necessarily, of course, you want to always compete with others, but your, your toughest competition should be yourself. You should be competing with yourself each and every day because every day is a battle, mentally and physically. 
So if you are your toughest competition, you're going to be successful. You have people, of course, that drive you, that motivate you. But at the end of the day, end all be all, you should be your biggest motivating factor because you hold yourself to that standard. Yeah, I love how you mentioned earlier, too, that it's 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 the balance of being the biggest critic, but also the biggest fan. Right. And I think so many times we think it's it's win or it's learn or we think it's one or the other. And it's it's both. Right. It's always both. It's I'm going to be a great player. I'm going to be a great person. Do both. You know, and as my mentor, Ken Revisa would always say, he'd say it's it's simplex. It's simple and complex at the same time, you know, and you make it look so easy. Um, you know, the success on the basketball court so it makes it look so effortless, but we know the relentless effort that goes into it. So, you know, Marcus, it's been uh, amazing, man, to reconnect and amazing to have you on here and, and get you to, to talk about mental performance and kind of your mindset and what's helped make you successful for our listeners who want to continue to follow your progress. Uh, I know on Twitter, it's at Marcus Howard 11. Yep. And I know it, that you also have some things going with your brother or with the Howard three. Talk about where people can engage with you and kind of follow your career. Definitely. So like you mentioned, my Twitter is at Marcus Howard 11, um, Instagram, Marcus.Howard, um, Instagram for the page with my brothers and I and seeing how we operate and how we work um, is uh, at the Howard three, um, H-O-W-A-R-D three. Um, so, you know, I would, I would strongly suggest whoever's listening to this, watching this, to, you know, comment, like, and subscribe to our channel. Um, we have a lot of great things, not only basketball-wise, but um, motivation-wise. You know, I have great influences in my brothers and my father, you know, being able to give these nuggets that I've learned ever since I was a little kid. So um, just to have that for the public to see, I think is really good. Um, so, you know, the the ads I mentioned, um, be sure to check those out. And um, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of my piece. It's awesome. And if you're looking for some inspiration, whether you're a basketball player or a basketball coach or not, check out the Howard three, check out the weekly workouts. Uh, I'm feeling like I need to go smash Camelback Mountain right now because I'm feeling like I got to get up closer to your level, man. So Marcus, thank you. Thank you for being with us. It's been awesome. And best of, I would say best of luck, but I don't think luck comes into the factor when it's with you. I would say keep falling in love with the process and the result will be the result that you get and you will fall in love with that result because you fall in love with the process. So thanks for being with us, my friend. Can't thank you enough, Brian. Always my man and keep bringing the juice, my guy. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Mental Performance Podcast on the Ironclad Content Network. If you liked the show, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. I'll see you next time.